This is the Best Friends Podcast, dedicated to sharing the people and programs that are ending the killing of cats and dogs in America's animal shelters. You'll hear from animal welfare leaders from across the movement who will share the innovative and collaborative work that are creating life-saving successes in communities of all sizes. My name is John Dunn. It is September the 10th. I truly, truly hope you had a fantastic Labor Day weekend. Maybe you were able to take a breather, spend some time with family. Maybe you even got to go outside. Now, last week, you heard all about the upcoming Best Friends Professional Development Symposium, Reaching New Heights in Contemporary Animal Services. It's next week, the 16th and 17th. This two-day online event brings together the best and brightest in our field and beyond to share the latest and best life-saving strategies. The format is different. Unlike, say, a normal conference, in-person or online, the schedule is much more fast-paced. The presentations are short, averaging about 10 minutes, but all 18 speakers, yeah, I said 18, have way more things to say than could be fit in that amount of time. So we started to wonder how we might get more from them content to be shared with attendees. Sure, we could just have them jump on Zoom and we could record a regular style solo presentation with slides, a deeper version of the presentation they'll give, kind of like a regular conference. But we don't want this to be a regular conference, right? So how could we do better, do something more interesting? So we started to think, what do we miss about the Best Friends National Conference? It was canceled this year due to COVID-19. We miss all the content, the learning during the sessions and the keynotes, and then it hit us. We miss the bar. No, not the late night, shouldn't have done it because my head is pounding this morning bar time. You know, the afternoon, sessions are over, day one, we're going to meet in the lobby bar at the hotel, grab a drink before getting ready for the evening's festivities. It's this almost magic hour, time that we get to reconnect with old friends, meet new ones, and pick each other's brains away from the daily grind. So let's try our best to capture those always incredibly interesting conversations. But how? So we paired up the 18 speakers, put them on Zoom calls, and hit record. No agenda, no scripts, just two life-saving innovators, and we get to be a fly on the wall. Have you had moments that you thought you might leave the field and do you know why? Like what were some of the things that kind of, you know, where you were maybe at some point in time saying like, I don't need to do this. I could do something else. Cause I think all yeah. of us kind of face that a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, and there, there, there's different periods um, I can think throughout, but really um, the most recent and one of your counterparts, Brent Toner can tell you, I, I called him and Scott Giacopo, um, the racial tensions in the United States really when when george floyd happened it opened my eyes to a whole nother level i've been a person of color my entire life yeah. but i also always kind of just tried to lead by example and i never wanted a job because i was a person of color never um and i actually questioned if i've been wrong for all these years on that i didn't realize my first thing that brent and scott were how many black shelter leaders do you know across the country you know yeah. it's like um Shafanda's in Durham. Um, I know Chris Huffman, uh, Huff is in um, Arlington, you know, and it was literally, we couldn't get literally one hand, years. right? Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like, Hey, is Vincent still in the field or not in the field? You know, it's nope. like, okay, that could get us up to four. Yep. 
I mean, it was that bad. So that, that smacked me in the face right there. And then I brought it into what I was actually living with my staff that are like, director, can I leave a half an hour early on this day? Because it's a protest zone that my bus route goes through and it puts me past curfew if I work the, the entire time. And it really hit that, man, this, this is a really big deal in this field. Yeah. Um, this time, this last five months yeah. has really been questioning. So there's the, the super heavy side that you have to stay in this field at because there's not many people like you. And there's certainly not many people like you that run a shelter. And there's definitely not that run one of the largest intake shelters in the entire country. So that always keeps me grounded. But yeah. there is the side with the hate that I see more directly now or even allow myself to, to see and soak in right now. I don't think there's a shelter director out there that doesn't get some level of hate mail and things like that um, from time to time. But there's some of them that I can now draw, wait a minute, this person called me a thug. You know, mm -hmm. um, there's a recent one that said they're going to send my Democratic ass back to Cleveland. I'm like, all right, I never, never talk about politics. Where did that, mm -hmm. you know, and you start to look mm -hmm. at, okay, is, is there an undertone there to, to those type of things? And those have all happened just in the last couple of months that have um, really made it say, do I need to be in this field? I will tell you, um, the, the easiest thing that has gotten me back here in Dallas when I start to feel bad about that is I think about the staff. That's what always brings me back is the fact that I have the absolute pleasure to be able to lead people that want to be doing this very difficult work. And that, that's usually what gets me, gets me grounded pretty quickly. They deserve to have a leader stay with them for a period of time. I don't know. I've been having a lot of conversations this week. I don't know what this has to do with cats. It has to do with really enabling and empowering shelters to make change. And some of the, just the doors that feel like they've been opened by the shakeup of COVID. What I find most interesting about that shakeup is that a lot of it's stuff that's no different than what we've been saying for years. No different. No different. And yet, because shelters were forced to go to emergency intake and see that the sky didn't fall when they were only taking in animals on an emergency basis that shift was able to establish that sort of confidence in maybe a new way, despite the fact that so many people have been saying this for so many years. I find that really fascinating. And what's, what's interesting and what's frustrating or in, in even heartbreaking in some cases is that there are shelters that on the staff, they maybe wanted to make that shift or maybe were scared, but the code forced our hands. And then once it happened, there was the possibility of seeing like, oh my God, this is what it's like to deal with emergencies only and deal with them well. And we're seeing it in California, like because shelters are empty, now they have the ability to respond to the wildfires and like, no problem, bring in all those displaced animals. That is what we're here for. They were able to really partner with the community and guess where the pushback is coming from? Where? Animal welfare. The last thing we want to do, I think, is say, you know, it's an animal welfare thing. You know, you wouldn't understand. Like, you you pet owner, you, you're just not going to get the complexity of what it's like to run a shelter when, when really, you know, we really need to offer people the full breadth of what's happening. Because I'm assuming for you, like for me, when Heather took us through those first shelters in the Gulf, that was my first shelter, period. Um, not just in the Gulf, but 
I'd never been in a shelter. Once in there, I mean, good God, like there was, I did not have the bandwidth to take all of those animals out. Most people don't. But God, I was like, how do you even choose? How do you make a choice from this dog to that dog? And I think if more people were exposed to what sheltering is, is what it's like, how the animals got there, when you know more, you make better decisions. Yep, absolutely. And I think I really give a lot of kudos to Best Friends for getting all the data across the country to try to make that even more widespread because it's needed. People need to know what's happening. Yes. And I even think outside the industry, just I, I had never really tried to na- pretend like I was not an insider and navigate our system in Austin about what you do if you found an animal or you've lost an animal. Right. And I know all the insider tricks and tips and what to do exactly, but nobody else does. Yeah. And so we're basically forcing everybody to bring their lost, their found animals to the shelter. And um, the lost animals, I mean, yeah. you know, it's kind of hit or miss if you're going to get reunited with the, the information that's out there. It, as good as the shelters try to be, and they've done, made remarkable effort with texting and all these crazy, yeah. amazing achievements. But even just the basics of looking under your shed and, you know, people just don't know. Yeah. And there's nowhere to find it. Yeah. Most websites don't have that. You can't, you can Google it and you'll get 4 million things that come up, but none of them are intelligible to figure out this is what I should be doing. I think if we are respectful to people's views, and I think it goes both ways, right? Because we're talking about being more inclusive. We like to use the terms removing barriers or listening to our audience. Uh, We also have to listen to people who have really found their foundation in this industry. And I think through this, whether that is rescue groups or longtime funders that sort of have their perception of what they should be, you know, investing into, they have found their purpose through this for many years, just like many of us have. And it's, it's been that sort of that savior complex, right? We have been here to save these displaced animals and provide them a better life or to, to, to save them. Allowing people to be a part of the conversation of what this new narrative might look like, uh, engaging them, uh, but also being respectful to who they are as an individual. I think over time, if this is the true path, um, then I think people will find that, that median in some way. So yeah. Or or they may choose a portion of it, which is fine. Just as we have donors that will give unrestricted gifts and we have donors that want to give restricted gifts. Right. And I think it's always our job to put out such a concrete and inspiring aspirational vision of, okay, where are we really headed that they're like, I know you, I trust you, you're transparent, you're ethical. I trust that the priority decisions you're making are gonna work. But if for some other reason, hopefully not because of lack of trust, it may just be their passion is cats and they really wanna give only to cats. That's okay too. I think that's part of that creating and holding space in the same way that we wanna create space for more diversity, more inclusion. That travels right over to how do donors wanna give, where do they found meaning, and how can we care for them by showing I see you, I get you. Yeah, you're spot I think on. that's what people really want. Yeah, and, and I think it goes back to, Trish, also the idea that, you know, shelters aren't going anywhere. Like the foundational work that we do still needs to be done. There are still going to be animals in need and there are going to be cats that are going to need to be supported and there are going to be dogs that are going to need new homes or care. And I think, you know, the conversation is not old versus new or this or yeah. that, it's and. And I think that there is going to be a place for wherever someone's heart may lie. 
I'm an incredibly impatient person. That's probably my, my greatest fault. But I've had to learn the hard way that you have to be patient and you have to understand where people are coming from if you're going to connect and move forward. And so that's been a huge lesson for me. Lesson for me. I used to say patience equals dead dogs and cats. Every time somebody told me to be patient, that was my answer. That equals dead dogs and cats. But now my answer is that patience equals perspective. And I can be more effective if I have that perspective. So what I just heard was um, something that I think a lot of communities don't have the luxury of having, which is not impartial, but a reasoned mediator between these two camps. And that you've been able to come in and, and, and bring that you know, where, where I struggled here um, when I go back and where I still struggle a little bit is one day I was, yay, she's going to come in and fix things. And then the very next day it was like, she's part of the problem, you know, with like no time afforded because now I was on the inside. I was part of, of the system. And so trying to have some of those conversations, which we've really tried to do, I feel like there's, there's a block, there's a wall there because they feel like, I, I don't know, there's a lack of trust. It's like, have we not committed and done so much in the past four years that we've earned a modicum of, of benefit of the doubt, you know? And, and it seems like- <laughs> Never. <laughs> no, and, 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 and I, I, I don't laugh. I, I laugh sadly about it, but it's like, you know, I challenge any one of them to go to work and have a 100% performance record and have never made it an error or never missed a, you know, a, a note in the computer system. Yes, a mistake in animal welfare could mean a, mis- a mistake in a lost life, right? But there's so many of these other mistakes that it's like, at some point, we got to give these people a break or else they're not going to stay in the building. They're going to say, it's not worth it for me. I'm going to go find another job. What have you found has been a way to get people to kind of ease off the pedal on this this pressure. I think it's a great question. And I think, boy, I would be kidding you if I sat here and told you that everybody in Jacksonville loves me and and thinks I do great work. (laughs) Believe me, (laughs) the fact that they're paying attention is both the best and worst thing to happen to animal welfare. Because 10 years ago, they wouldn't have known who was sitting in your seat and they wouldn't have cared and they wouldn't have said anything. And so we have to take that bad with the good. And as you said, figure out how do we challenge it. That was Mark Peralta and Ed Jamison, Dr. Kate Hurley and Holly Sizemore, Dr. Ellen Jefferson and James Evans, Trish Tolbert and Bobby Mann, Alexis Pugh and Denise Deisler. And I think you'll agree that the concept worked. The 18 speakers at the symposium, they're so diverse. It was incredible and interesting to see them chat like that one-on-one. And you can see that for yourself. Every attendee of the Best Friends Professional Development Symposium will have access to these videos. There are nine of them. Nine hours of amazing, thought-provoking conversation that we can all learn things from. It doesn't matter where you are on your journey. And you get to watch all of them at your own leisure, as many times as you want. And we are happy to announce that all attendees will also have access to a very special conversation happening on October the 6th. James Evans from CARE will be facilitating a conversation with Isabel Wilkerson, the Pulitzer Prize-winning author of Warmth of Other Sons, and the recently published book, Cast. Now, this was selected by Oprah for her book club about a month ago. So, yeah, it really is going to be an important conversation with a leading voice on inequality, a very special opportunity. Now, we'd love to have you join us. The symposium happening on the 16th and 17th. More information and a link to register up on the website, bestfriends.org slash podcast. 
Tawny Hammond, Amy Charlton, and Mark Peralta. They're the producers of this program. My name is John Dunn, and this is the Best Friends Podcast.